And I just want to share with you this morning how the Holy Spirit is every believer's companion. The Holy Spirit is more than a power or an experience or an equipping, a tool, but the Holy Spirit is the very person of the Godhead that has been assigned to you for this season. The Holy Spirit has been given by God from heaven, sent in response to the prayer of Jesus when he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. The first act of business after Jesus returned to his throne in heaven was to send forth the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. He has never left. He is here. He is present. But he didn't come. Uh, let, me, let me back up just a second. The Holy Spirit has always been here. We see him in Genesis chapter 1 hovering over the chaotic earth. And when God began to speak his words of creation, the Holy Spirit began as the agent of God to perform the word that was spoken. And so the Holy Spirit has been here ever since creation, even before. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit coming, we're not talking about coming to be in the earth. Uh, I mean, you can't take God out of anything. If you take God out, may, that may be what a black hole is. Anything that is absent of God. Anything that has, they say, they say that has no light in there. Uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just a, a, a deep void. Well, you know, wherever God is, there's light. Wherever God is, there's substance. And so uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit cannot be removed from the earth. You know, David said, I tried to run from God, you know, and I found out he's everywhere. He's even in hell. <laughs> you can't get away from God because if you remove God from the equation, what you have is uh, an implosion, a, a, a complete uh, destruction. God is the very substance that holds things together and keeps things running. So you can't remove the Holy Spirit from the earth, and he will always be here as long as the earth remains. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that when you're born again, when you first get saved, the only way you're able to be saved, the Bible says, is that the Holy Spirit draws you. The Holy Spirit draws you, and then salvation itself is an operation of the Holy Spirit. He regenerates. He, he, bring, he makes your spirit who's separated from God and dead in sin, he causes it to be regenerated and restored and brought back to life and, and, uh, and then he takes you and baptizes you into Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus, into the body of Christ, and you become a brand new creature. Amen? That's a work of the Holy Spirit. And that's called being born again. Jesus talked about it in John chapter 3, you know, when he said you must be born again. And then he, then he, he described it to uh, Nicodemus as a work of the Spirit. You're born of the Spirit. Um, and so we know that we have the Holy Spirit when we're saved. So what's, what's Pentecost all about? If we already have the Holy Spirit when we're saved, what's Pentecost? Well, Pentecost is, is uh, uh, where Jesus becomes the baptizer, and he takes you and he baptizes you into the Holy Spirit. 
You see, salvation or conversion is when the Holy Spirit takes you and baptizes you into Christ. Holy Spirit is the baptizer. You're the baptizee. And Christ is what you're baptized into. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when Jesus takes you and immerses you into His Spirit. And you become saturated and filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God. It's a, it's a separate, complete fun, uh, uh, event in your life. And He wants everyone to have that experience. Every saved person has the Holy Spirit present in their life. But every Spirit-baptized person has that overflowing, filling uh, empowerment of the Holy Spirit that Jesus told His disciples, don't you leave Jerusalem until you've got it. And after He said, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power to be witnesses unto Me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen? The Colombias, the Nepals, the Zambia, the parts of the earth. Amen. But also across the street and back across the backyard fence and wherever else you might find someone who's from some other part of the earth. Amen. You can go to the uttermost parts of the earth and never leave town. Praise God. Turn to John 14, verse 16. And I want to share with you that Jesus, as he's preparing to leave and go back to heaven, he says, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to send you a special helper. John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Everybody say another. Another, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. So he's invisible to the natural eye. Neither can they know him because he's unknowable to the carnal man, the natural man. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and, see, he dwelleth with you. That was present tense. He's with you now, but he shall be in you. You see, God wants to get the Holy Spirit from the outside of you into the inside of you. And that's what baptism's all about. The Holy Spirit is around us. He's with us. He helps us in many ways. He brings us to Jesus. He causes us to be born again. And He, he sustains us and keeps us as Christian believers. But Jesus wants more than that. Jesus said, I want Him to be on the inside of you. I want Him to fill you. And then in John 14, 26, He says, But the Comforter, here He again calls Him the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And by the way, uh, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ uh, is all the same Spirit. Amen. Okay? It's just different terminologies, different, you know, don't, don't, get, don't get all confused if, you get a, if somebody says Spirit and someone else says Ghost. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. We're both talking about the same person. And he is a person. Praise God. He is, he is a person of the Godhead. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, 
whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so in both of these scriptures, Jesus uses the word comforter. Well, we know that that word comforter in the Greek is paraclete or parakletos, which means someone who's been called alongside to render aid and comfort. Someone who's called along to assist you, to help you. And we need comfort. I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes 4. That's somewhere in the Old Testament. Amen. Verse 1, Ecclesiastes 4.1, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. You know, Brother Jimmy's been teaching on Wednesday night about demons and being delivered from demons and how that, how that uh, uh, there are people who are possessed by devils, but then there are other people who are oppressed by demons. And there's a difference between possession and and oppression. Christians cannot be possessed. But they can be oppressed. That, that means pressure from the outside. And, uh, and, and uh, demons can, they can oppress you physically. They can oppress you mentally. They can oppress you emotionally. They can come against your finances. You know, uh, they, they oppose you. They're anti-Christ. And since you belong to Christ, they're anti-you. Demons are against you just because of who you're associated with. Now, don't give Jesus up because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen? And, uh, and we, we don't have to be oppressed. We can be free from that. But notice here it says, I, I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed. And they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power, but they had no comforter. He said, I, I was watching the oppressed. I was watching them, and they had no one to comfort them. There was power on the side of the people who were oppressing them, but they had no power on their side. There was no power there to, to deliver them from this oppression. Their enemies uh, had the upper hand. You see, without the paraclete, without the Holy Spirit, without the comforter, you are, you are on your own against oppression. And you can't handle it by yourself. Mm. Look in Lamentations. Lamentations is somewhere around Jeremiah. Lamentations. Hang on here. Uh, Jeremiah. Is it before or after? Jeremiah, Lamentations? Hmm? What page is it? Ch chapter 1. I got this. I got this pulpit Bible here. Okay, chapter 1, verse 16. 
All thine enemies have opened their mouth against thee. They hiss and gnash the teeth, and they say, We have swallowed her up. Is that the right one? That's not the one I wanted. That is it. No. Okay. All thine enemies have oppressed their mouth against thee. They hish, hish, and gnash the teeth. They say, we have swallowed her up. Certainly this is the day we looked for, we have found, and we have seen it. Okay, that translation doesn't have that word comforter in it. Like, for these things I weep, mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water, because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. That's sad. That's why it's in the book of Lamentations, the book of sad sayings. What happens when there's no one to comfort? Not only are you affected by it, but your children are infected with that. And you need a comforter. And, and how sad that, that the, the one that should relieve my soul is far from me. You see, your soul is what is oppressed. We live in a very hard world. It's, it's dangerous where we live. And there's all kinds of agitation, all kinds of irritation directed towards us in this life that wears on our soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you can get worn down mentally. You can get worn down where your will is concerned to the point that you surrender and yield to temptations. You can get completely worn out emotionally and become a basket case and still be a, a born-again Christian. You need a comforter. See, Jesus, Jesus knows what we need. And he says, I'm going away, but I'm sending another, someone just like me, someone who loves you as much as I love you, someone who is a part of the same team as I'm part of. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to comfort you. To be the one that ministers to your soul. Now we know the gifts of the Spirit talks about healings. Divers kinds of healings. But what we need to see in, in that divers kinds of healings. There are physical healings. And there are spiritual healings. And there are emotional healings. There's mental healings. And, and there's, there's even relationship healings. There's all kinds of healings. And what... Dr. Joshua was talking about a while ago was in, in his experience moving around in the marketplace, there, there were people not only who, had, who needed physical healings, but there were several people who needed emotional healing. What was happening there, God, by the Holy Spirit, was sending this, this, uh, this, uh, these emissaries out into the marketplaces, and they were bringing comfort to people. They were bringing relief to people. They were bringing refreshing to people whose souls were worn and, and frayed. Do you see that? Do you see that? And so when the Holy Spirit comes, 
He comes like, like he, he did to King David when David wrote Psalm 23. Let's, let's look at Psalm 23. I know y'all have never heard of this one, but it's a good one. Psalm 23. Amen. If you'll bear with me, it's going to bless you. First of all, now, David, who was David? He wasn't just the psalm writer. He was the king of Israel. He was the greatest king Israel ever had. He was the warrior king. He's the one who, he's the one who established the, the kingdom and made it great. Now, Solomon was a great king, but Solomon inherited it. You know. David set it up and gave it to Solomon. All Solomon had to do was maintain it and let it grow. But David is the one, David is the great king. He's the one the Bible says was after God's own heart. He was, he was the champion king. He's the one, you know, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. I mean, he was, he was the national hero. He was something else. And yet David knew he needed a shepherd. No, so no matter how big you get, how great you get, how rich you get, how powerful you get, you need a shepherd. Well, a sh the word shepherd is another word for comforter. Notice what, how, what he says about the shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. King David did not trust in horses and chariots. He did not trust in his wealth. He did not trust in his, in his uh, governmental power and authority. He did not put his trust in his armies. He put his trust in his shepherd, his comforter. And he says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, there's a reason for that. Shepherds, don't lead their sheep to waters that are troubled for several reasons. One is sheep are dumb. They'll get in there and drown. Sheep will go swimming in troubled waters. And they're woolly. And the wool gets wet, and wet wool is heavy. And they, f they find themselves at the bottom of the river. Or the lake. And so the shepherd wisely takes them to still waters so they won't be attracted to the water by the noise, but also so that they won't, they won't be in jeopardy or danger of being carried away. Amen? And he says, he, he, he makes me to lie down in green pasture. He makes us. You see, our shepherd makes us rest. Well, ain't nobody going to make me do anything. Well, King David submitted to his shepherd, and he allowed his shepherd to make him rest. You know, one of the things that happens when you don't rest, you wear out. You wear out emotionally, you wear out physically, you wear out mentally, and, and, and you become frazzle-dazzled, and then the enemy can pick you apart. He's like a wolf waiting for the tired little lamb who just can't go on in any further and falls over, and the wolf eats it. But, a, but the shepherd, he, he leads you and makes you lie down in green patch. He doesn't take you to a briar patch. <laughs> he takes you to, you know what's so cool about green pastures? 
Well, first of all, green grass is cool. It's comfortable to lie down in. But you get hungry, you just kind of, you know, you just kind of, you don't even have to get up to eat. It's a great place to be. Every one of us needs to submit to the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can give us rest. Jesus says there is a rest for the people of God. He says you need to, if you're going to labor, you need to labor that you would enter into the rest. Amen. God wants to bring us out of the desert living and into the land that flows with milk and honey. He wants us to live in houses we didn't build. Amen. Praise God. He wants you plucking chickens you didn't raise. I mean, he wants, he wants you to, 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 to rest. The reason for that is he wants his people to rest. And then look at verse 3, the first part of verse 3. He restores my soul. Who does? The shepherd. The purpose of the shepherd being present in your life is to bring restoration to your weary soul. And it's connected with, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, one of the problems that happens to people when they get weary and they get worn and they get frazzled is they get weak and yield to temptation. They, it's easier for them to enter into sin. They fall into sin. But when your soul is restored, you, you're able to resist temptation and, and walk in the paths of righteousness. So a, a sick soul is, uh, has the proclivity for sin. A weary soul becomes ambivalent. And that means wishy-washy, undecided. Now those are the two words Ruth has learned this week. Amen. I use them both. Yeah? Proclivity and ambivalence. Yeah. Ambivalence. Amen. She forgot she learned it. Bless her heart. The question arises then, who, who, who is your shepherd? You see, a lot, most folks don't turn, and I'm talking about Christian folks. When they get soul tired, when they get soul weary, they don't... Uh, they, they, uh, they turn to strange things to find comfort. Sometimes they'll just go to the freezer, pull out a, uh, a tub of Haagen-Dazs and just start, just start you know, eating. And that, they think that's going to that's gonna restore their soul. Sometimes they go and sit in front of the TV and just turn something on, watch old westerns or something, and they, they think that's going to minister to their soul. They think that's going to restore their soul. If they, if they get very uh, worn out, then they may be led down the wrong path. Instead of going down the path of righteousness, they may decide to have an affair. I'm talking about Christians. Christians have affairs. Why? They, they, they have uh, uh, lost their way because they have the wrong comforter. 
Well, my wife doesn't understand me. But this secretary does. Yeah. Who's, who's your comforter? Your secretary? Getting quiet in here. <laughs> yeah. Money. Does money comfort you? It's a funny thing about the rich. The rich work hard to get rich, and then they work harder to get richer. And there are people today that are hundreds of millions of dollars, even billions of dollars, uh, you know, in their possession, and yet they can't stop working for money because money has become their comfort. It's their comforter. You know, it's their God, but it's, 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 it's how they try to soothe themselves. And, uh, and, and that path leads to, leads to destruction because, you know, if you forget who your shepherd is and you go after the wrong shepherd, that shepherd is not going to satisfy your soul. He's not going to restore your soul. That's why a lot of Christians commit suicide. Yeah, it happens. Christian people. People who name the name of Jesus commit suicide. Why? Well, there's a lot of spiritual oppression involved. It's a spirit. It's a spirit that keeps telling you, just end it, end it, end it. You know, the only way you're going to get any relief is if you end your life. And, and this Christian, you know, is looking for relief, but doesn't have the Holy Spirit as their comforter. And so they believe the lie, and they end their life, and it's totally against the will of God. Are y'all are getting the point here? All right. And so the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is to be that, that comforter who abides not only with you, but in you, and who never leaves you. Every believer's companion, every believer's constant companion needs to be the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. No substitutions. Amen. And we've all been there. We've all been there. That's why we call it comfort food. Blue Bell or, you know, fried chicken and mashed potatoes with gravy. Collard greens. Woo! Comfort food. Why do we call it comfort food? Because, because there's something about the eating of it that makes us feel comforted. But you can't live on that. Matter of fact, it'll kill you. Amen? It will kill you. So Jesus said in John 15 and verse 26, he says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now, we've already read where he says in John 14, he said, he will, he will remind you of the things that I have said, and he will bring it back to your remembrance, and he will teach you the meaning of these things. You know, and he, he will further explain. And, and, and I mean, you, 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 see the, you see the paraclete or the comforter as, as a live-in uh, tutor, yeah. 
who will show us the will of the Father and who will magnify Jesus to us and explain Jesus and the things that Jesus has said and what we're to do about it. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you into the things of God. Not to take you away from the things of God, but to guide you into the things of God and to make you fully understand Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus expects out of you. The Holy Spirit will show you those things. Not only that, but he'll show you things that are to come. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll be there for you to tell you what's around the corner and help prepare you for events so that your soul will not be shattered by some event that happens and you were unaware it was coming. Amen? He's the protector. He's not just the restorer of your soul, but he's the protector and defender of your soul. Hallelujah. A lot of times we think in terms of, you know, the power of the Holy Ghost. But we need to also see that the Spirit of God is there to, uh, to use His power to defend you and protect you and to uh, encapsulate you in God's shielding abilities so that a lot of these things that attack your soul won't have any effect on you. The weapons of the enemy will not harm you. You say, well, Pastor, I thought that was automatic. Uh, no, it's not. You've got you've to get into the right bubble. You've got to, you've got to establish yourself uh, with God as your shield and buckler. And the Holy Spirit is there to help you do that. Amen? And then he shows you things to come. John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, what's he hearing? He's hearing truth. And where is he hearing it from? He's hearing it from the Godhead, the Father and the Son. Whatever the Holy Spirit hears the Father and the Son say, and by the way, the Holy Spirit is never cut off from the Father and the Son. Because he's the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of Christ. <laughs> you can't separate Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Spirit is always on the inner circle. He's always hearing what is going on. And he always knows the perfect will and purposes of God. And he's in you to divulge that to you, to reveal those things to you. In other words, he says, whatever he hears, that's what he's going to tell you. So you won't be cut off. So you won't be going around wondering, I wonder why, I wonder what, I wonder when, I wonder how. No, you'll know. You'll know things by the Spirit of God. And he will show you things to come. He's not going to make you walk in the dark. Walking by faith is not walking in the dark. So, the question is, when does he come? When's the Holy Spirit going to come be my comforter? Well, I got good news for you. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says he's already here. Holy Spirit is already here for that purpose. As I said before, he was always in the world. 
but on the day of Pentecost, when he came, he didn't come to he didn't come into the world. He came into the believers. He came into the church in a greater measure and proportion than he is in the world. The world doesn't know him. The world cannot know him. The world has no concept of who he is, what he is. Uh, and, and I'm talking about even the religious world. Nicodemus couldn't figure it out. Jesus said, you got to be born again before you can figure this out, before you can know this. But his disciples on the day of Pentecost received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was prophesied way back in Joel's time. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years before, God says, there's coming a day, there's coming a day when I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And that means uh, everyone who receives him. My sons and my daughters, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You know the, you know the story. I preached about it last week. So Pentecost uh, is, is, is a revelation that the Holy Spirit is already here and available for whoever will receive him. Amen. Well, Pastor, I thought we were supposed to tarry and wait for the Holy Ghost baptism. Well, I don't see that. There, there was some tarrying going on. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem. That means tarry. Wait in Jerusalem until he comes. So they waited 10 days. 10 days. 10 means testimony. They waited 10 days. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, not the day before the day of Pentecost, but when the day of Pentecost was fully come, in other words, at the right time, and where were they? They were in the right place. 120 of them. Three, 380 of them weren't there. It's 500 there on the day of ascension, but only 120 on the day of Pentecost. So those 10 days, they lost, they lost a majority of the people. But those that were there at the right time and in the right place, and they were in unity, they were doing the right thing, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit came and sat upon all of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all began to speak with tongues. And they spilled out into the streets with joy, a measurable joy on them. And they were all speaking in these languages. And 3,000 souls got saved that day as a result. The harvest began. No sooner than they got baptizing the Holy Ghost, they became emissaries and witnesses for Jesus and people got saved. The day of. The day they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were, they were winning souls. I've got this thing going with Brother Joshua. You know, it seems like he's always in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. And uh, I like that about him. Now that speaks of his faithfulness. It also speaks of his obedience to go wherever God tells him to go. And God will tell him to go somewhere, and he'll go buy an airplane ticket and go, not knowing what he's going to do when he got there. But then God begins to make things happen. God goes before him, prepares the way. We should all, we should all be living like this. You know, there's an adventure to it, isn't there, Joshua? There's an adventurous life. It's really adventurous for your wife, too. Amen. But she's learned. She's learned. If he says, God told me to buy a plane ticket and go to Israel, she's, she, she's learned to say go. She doesn't hold him back. And that, that speaks a lot of, uh, about her faith. Amen. Amen. 
So God, God wants you to be, He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is already here. Don't wait for someone who has already arrived. If you were given a gift, and the gift is now in your hands, do you wait for the gift? Now, I do a couple, sometimes, you know, I'll get a gift from one of my kids, and they'll say, do not open till your birthday, or do not open till Christmas, or do not open till Father's Day. I haven't got my Father's Day gift yet, but anyway. And so I try to honor the giver's wishes, and, and, and we'll wait. And on that day, we FaceTime them, and we let them see us open their gift. And so everybody gets to enjoy the moment. Amen? But if it doesn't say wait until Christmas, I ain't waiting until Christmas. You see, if I get a gift, and it's, it's in my hand, and I'm in possession of it, I don't wait for it anymore. I open it. I receive it, I open it, and I assimilate it into my life. Amen. And that's the same way with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You don't wait for Him anymore. He's the one who regenerated your spirit at, at, at conversion. You're, he's not a stranger to you. So you need, you need to trust Him. If He's the one who saved you and, 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 and caused you to be born again, can you trust Him? to move in can you trust the holy spirit to move in the one the one that got you connected with jesus can you can you trust him how many of you can trust the holy spirit well he speaks in funny languages he speaks in languages you never learned can you trust him if he gives you that language can you trust the language well, I don't know, Pastor Ron. I don't know if, that, if it's from the Holy Ghost or from the devil. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Who, who brought the devil into this equation? He has nothing to do with this. It's, this is something between you and the Father who sent the Holy Spirit and Jesus who made a way for the Holy Spirit to come through his death and resurrection and the Holy Ghost who is here and wants to move into you, and, and all you got to do is say yes. Hello, open the door. I'm ready to move in. I've got my suitcase packed with tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecies. I've got your miracles. I've got your healings. I've got your words of knowledge. I've got your words of wisdom. Open the door. I'm on oh, this other suitcase. I've got love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness. All these things. You open the door, he picks those bags up, and he moves in. Lock, stock, and suitcase. All to help you. All to bring power and ability and restoration to your soul. He fills you when you receive him. Amen. Well, that, that's, that's as simple as I can make it. Amen. <laughs> Matthew 3.11. John the Baptist is talking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. Who's he talking about? 
Talking about Jesus. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He, Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That's why I'm telling you Jesus, in this case, is the baptizer. John the Baptist said Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, don't worry about the fire. That's another sermon. You need to receive the Holy Ghost. You, you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll get fire. The day of Pentecost, what came on them? Tongues of fire. I mean, fire accompanies God. Everywhere God goes, fire goes. He rides around in a fiery chariot. When Jesus comes back, his eyes are going to be flames of fire. I mean, you can't, you can't be around the Godhead without fire. They, they, uh, so when the Holy Ghost comes, fire comes with him. And the fire purifies, refines, and empowers. Amen. And brings light. And heat, warmth. Fire will scare the dragons out of your life. Amen. Praise God. And so, Acts 1.8, Jesus said, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. He told them, don't, don't go out and try to fulfill your calling until you've received power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You've got to admire some of these Christians, you know, uh, uh, down through the ages who grew up in uh, denominations and organizations that did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, yet they did believe in missions. And so they would get saved, they'd get born again, and then they would go off to missions. And then they, they, would, go, they would go off to some far distant part of the world, and they would lay down their lives for Jesus. And I've been to some of the graveyards of missionaries you know, in India and in Africa and places where, where yep, they, they came and they served and they, they reached a few people and they died. Yep. And I, I'm just thinking, and they did all of that without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then you begin to look at the, the markers, the gravestones, and you begin to see the dates. And many of them died within weeks of arriving. Most of them died young in their 50s and 60s from malaria, from, you know, spearing and baking over the fire and, you know, different things. They had the heart, but they didn't have the power. And you have to admire them. They went anyway. But God does not expect us to go without the power. And he, doesn't, and he doesn't want us to go and die within weeks of getting there. All that preparation, all that struggle, all that fundraising, all that effort to get ready, and then you go and you, you get off the boat and step on the dock and get malaria and die before you reach the beach. That's not God's will, but that happens. I read a book about a missionary who went through all the process of getting ready to go, raising the funds, and he, and, and he, died, he died in a week after he arrived. Got my, he's 20-something years old. That's not God's will. I personally knew a missionary in Honduras. Young guy, about 35 years old. John Armour knows him, met him. Had a great ministry among the youth. 
and and he, he people blessed him and helped him and he was able to build a million dollar youth facility right there in in Honduras and uh, 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 we were there when they dedicated that that uh, that recreation facility and and the vice president of the country was there and the ambassador of Spain was there and and different people were there I mean it's a big you know, ribbon cutting ceremony. And then within, within three months of that huge success story, he hung himself from the rafters of that gymnasium. Makes you wonder who was his shepherd. Great young man. By the way, you know, I'm not going to go into the theology of all that stuff, but I, I'm just going to tell you that was not the will of God. Amen. People need, they need the power of the Holy Ghost. They need the power. They, they, need, they need the comforting aspect. They need the one who can restore their soul. See, that young man needed his soul restored. He's probably worn out and, and, and spent because of all the activity and everything he had to do to get that project completed. And once it was completed, his soul was, was frazzled and he didn't know how did not know how to be restored in his soul. And I imagine the Holy Ghost was standing there the whole time saying, let me in, let me in, let me in. But he became oppressed, suicidal thoughts, demons talking to him. He saw a rope, threw it over the rafters and hung himself. His young wife found him hanging in the very building that he had built for God. That's not an isolated story. I can tell you of some others that I have known personally. In the ministry, great people, and yet somehow or another they got, they got misdirected and they began to find their, their, their solace and their comfort somewhere besides the Holy Spirit. He is the one who Jesus placed in your life to comfort you. When my, when my first wife passed away 20 years ago, uh, uh, I was uh, I was at a very low point. I was devastated. And I didn't give up the faith. I didn't quit. But my friend Larry Easton told me he says whenever you whenever you get to that point where you're feeling overwhelmed, he said just start praying in the Holy Ghost, just start praying in tongues. And you know I followed that advice and I've given that advice to so many people since. That, you know, well, Pastor, you should have known that. Yeah, I did know that up here. But, but I, I, needed that, I needed that push to, to, to remember that when the waves of grief came over me, that the only way I could find comfort was in the Holy Ghost. And I, began, I, I would pray in the Holy Ghost, and just in a matter of time, the joy of the Holy Ghost would fill my heart, and I would be on my way. Next time it happened, I knew what to do. Amen. Do you know? Do you know? Remember that song, Where Do I Go? When I Need Somebody to Talk To? How many of you know that song? Where do we go? Well, the Holy Ghost is where you go. Amen. So you need to receive Him. Jesus is the one who baptizes you in the Holy Ghost, and, and God wants everyone every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? 
Yeah, I've got I've got a couple more scriptures. Let me read, and then we'll then we'll we'll do something. Acts ten forty five and and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. This is this is Peter at the house of uh, uh, Cornelius. They of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues. How did they know they had received the Holy Spirit? They heard them speak with tongues. And magnify God. That's what the tongues w were saying. They were magnifying God in languages they had never learned. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to, you know, to, to stay there for a few days. What happened here? All of the sacred cows were tipped over. You understand that terminology? All of the sacred cows were tipped over. Sacred cow number one, only Jews could be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter believed. That's what those that were with him believed, that only Jews. But now here's Gentiles getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sacred cow number two. You can't get saved until you're first baptized in water. No, they were baptized in water last. Sacred cow number three. You have to get, after you get saved, you have to tarry for a while before you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's how they knew they got saved. They got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and then baptized in water the same day. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for years. Well, I got saved in 1942 and I'm waiting for the Holy Ghost baptism. No, he's here. You could have you got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues in the same moment. That's what happened here at Cornelius' house. <laughs> sacred cow number whatever people have to be taught how to speak in tongues people can't get people can't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues without instructions well Peter wasn't preaching on that Peter was talking about Jesus and while he was talking about Jesus, the Holy Ghost just butt in and interrupted. Said, well, it's time for this service to change. And the Holy Ghost just came, and they all began, they began speaking in tongues without any instructions. Doesn't mean instructions are wrong. I've given people instructions many times. But it's not required. <laughs> Amen. Uh, look at Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. See, here's, here's a situation where they, they, they needed instruction. 
And he said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? And they said, Under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John, verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized again. They were baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them at their baptism, when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about 12. They weren't 12 years old. They were 12 men. These 12 men, when they were baptized in water, Paul laid hands on them, and they began to speak in tongues and prophesied. Wait a minute. I thought you had to be super spiritual to prophesy. No, remember Acts chapter 2, Paul, Peter is quoting Joel's prophecy and said, in, in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Didn't say you're mature ones. Didn't say you're trained ones. Didn't say the educated ones. Didn't say those that are credentialed. No, it said, it said your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And it didn't say you're going to have to teach them how. They were just doing it. They were speaking in tongues and prophesying. Newbies. Newbies. <laughs> I got, I got tickled with Brother Bradley uh, a few weeks ago. You know, I, I, uh, I asked him to come up here. He requested that we sing the song Amazing Grace. And he said it really meant something to him. That was special to him. So, I, you know, we sung that song, and I, I saw that it was a blessing to him. So I asked him to come up here and just tell us about it. Well, he got up here. He didn't tell us anything about the song Amazing Grace. I mean, the moment he got up here, he started prophesying. And it was obviously prophesying. And it was powerful prophesying. Well, Bradley, do you speak in tongues yet? You're kind of, you're kind of dabbling at it, wanting it. Well, no, wait a minute. Here's a guy. <laughs> He's saved. He's passionate. He wants everything God has for him. And he's already prophesied, but he hadn't spoken in tongues fluently yet. Talk about sacred cows, man. He's defying all of our religious dogmas. Prophesying before he speaks in tongues? How many of you think God's confused? We might be confused, but God's not. Amen. My prayer is that you start speaking in tongues now. Just... Matter of fact, we're going to lay hands on people that want to, they want to receive that gift because you don't wait for it no more. Quit waiting for that. There, there's no reason for the delay. God the Father sent him. God the Son is the baptizer, and he loves you. And the Holy Ghost is standing at the door with his bags ready to move in. Got his toolkit. He's ready to move in, to go to work. And so all you got to do is just open that door and receive, and don't get hung up on the tongues thing. Well, pastor, you know, the church I grew up in, you know, they preached against it. Well, so? 
I've been, I, I'm preaching for it. So why don't you live in today and forget about yesterday? We're, I'm not selling snake oil here. <laughs> I've been reading scriptures. And obviously, obviously Jesus wants you to receive. Obviously, obviously the apostles expected people to receive. First, first order of business for Paul when he got to Ephesus where, have you all received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we never even heard there was a Holy Ghost. Well, he fixed that problem that day. And before the day was over, they were not only baptized in the name of Jesus, but they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and prophesying and speaking in tongues. So, this is the day of Pentecost. What better time than for you to just dive off the cliff, jump in. Because he wants, he wants to restore your emotions. He wants to restore your will. He wants to restore your thoughts. He wants to empower your life. Amen? Praise God. If you'd bow your heads for just a second. I, di I just want to challenge you to forget all of the negative things you have heard people say about tongue talkers, holy rollers. We're not like that. We just love Jesus and we want everything Jesus has for us. And the first gift that Jesus gave his church after he arrived in heaven was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The first gift he gave to the church. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the first fruits. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the earnest of our inheritance, the down payment of our inheritance. It's the beginning. It's not the end. <laughs> He's just moving in. He's just, he just moving in. Wait till he gets settled. Wait till he gets to working in you. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. I, wa I want everyone that wants that freedom, they want, th they want, they want that overflowing experience of the Holy Spirit baptism. I want you to just come up here right now and stand here on this carpet. And uh, we're going to pray for you.